I'm Wendy Michelle, personal trainer and nutritionist turned researcher, innovator, and precision wellness specialist. Welcome to Whole, Healthy, and Free. This podcast is all about equipping you with cutting-edge tools and information for accomplishing your health goals and becoming your best version of you. I have collectively spent over 20 years behind the scenes in clinical healthcare, in food and supplement manufacturing, in alternative medicine, and fitness marketing. What I've seen behind closed doors and experienced in real life has provided me with an education no formal textbook would dare to write about. From it all, I learned that health is much easier than it has been presented to be. People are capable of way more than they realize. And the majority of what masquerades as healthy is commonly what actually contributes to illness. I break it all down and bring it all to light for the sole purpose of giving you your power back so you can reclaim your health to live whole, healthy, and free. Hello, friends. I am so pumped about this episode. I have to say that of all the topics I get asked about, this particular one is always top three. It's something that everybody is either confused about or worried about or trying to fix. The problem is, is there's very few people in this world who really understand this topic well and can speak to it in a way that makes sense um, and can also, at the same time, provide a solution. Um, I personally believe that the more we learn, because that is another issue, there's so much still to learn about our body um, when it comes to this topic, that as we learn more, we're going to be able to tie almost every condition and disease back to gut health. So that is what we're going to be talking about today, all things gut-related, um, supplements, probiotics, prebiotics, probably more things than you ever knew possible about the gut. Um, and I'm so fortunate because we do have an expert. I mean, I consider her a true expert um, on gut health, and she has been so kind um, to give her time today for us. So I just wanted to quickly introduce her, and I'll um, just... We'll just go from there. There's so many things to talk about. I'm super pumped. Um, thank you so much, Acacia, for joining me today. I'm so thankful. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So will you share a little bit about your background, how you know what what you've been doing and kind of how you got into being uh, an expert? How did you become an expert in gut health? Yeah, of course. So my background is in dietetics. So I am a registered dietitian, um, but it really all started when I was in high school. I had all these health issues myself, you know, as many of us do. Um, that's kind of what gets us started. And I, you know, went to doctor after doctor after doctor. No one could really figure it out. I finally went to a naturopath who asked about my diet and then we changed some things about my diet and then I felt better and I was so intrigued by it. Um, that I was like, okay, I want to, I want to study nutrition. I want to do something like this. This is so cool. And so then I became a dietitian. I worked in the functional medicine world um, for a MD who was really primarily helping people address their autoimmune diseases. And so I love that. It was a very gut focused, you know, gut health approach. Um, and so that was kind of where I started getting into gut health. And then I transitioned to another job working for a supplement company that was primarily focused on gut health therapeutics. And I just learned so much from 
the like roughly seven years that that I was in that position. And so that led to, you know, a lot of research. Um, it led to then um, my boss, you know, teaching me how to formulate products. And so then that became really fun for me because it was kind of like this puzzle, you know, that was helping people and it was based in research and it, it just checked all the boxes for me, you know, in terms of um, a fulfilling job. And so I started doing that. I started speaking and educating doctors on, you know, the gut health connection and, you know, these different mechanisms of action. And it was just really exciting, really, really fun for me to dig into. Um, so that's kind of how, how I got started and how I got here. And then um, now I am consulting for Silverfern. So I'm acting kind of as their chief science officer, just advising on all, all things science. So I'm kind of just like the, the company nerd. Um, but but yeah, so that's kind of what brings me here today. Amazing. Um, that is quite a background and how fortunate that you've been able to see it from so many different sides of the spectrum. And I think it's one area that uh, provides such an in-depth understanding is when you start getting into the formulation side of things and not mm -hmm. just necessarily like the, although, you know, functional medicine is, is great. Uh, mm -hmm. But when you start getting in the lab and you're actually having to put things together and see the synergy of them and support them with data, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a completely different level of understanding. So I'm really excited for you to, to share more about some of the supplements that you've specifically formulated. But before we get there, uh, I, I really feel that gut health, unfortunately, was introduced into the marketplace from a very trendy Mm -hmm. perspective. And so there's been a lot of marketing around it and people are like, I got my probiotics. I'm, I'm doing great, but there's just so many more layers to it. I'd really love to start from more of just like a basic understanding so that people are able to get real clear mm -hmm. on a few things. Will you talk um, uh, in more detail or like even maybe define like what is the gut, the gut barrier, microbiome, biodiversity. Can you go into some of those definitions so that we have clarity around that, please? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great question. So, cause we'll, we throw around these terms all the time and some people are like glazed over. You're like, what are you talking about? So primarily when we're talking about the gut, it's kind of, it's sort of a gray area, right? But it's kind of including the stomach, the small intestine, the large intestine. So sometimes when you're talking about the gut, um, some people will like, they will include the stomach into that. Typically you'll see the word gastric around it if they're talking about specifically the stomach. But oftentimes when you're talking about gut or gut health, we're mainly talking about like the small and large intestine. Um, but sometimes you'll get, you'll get the stomach kind of thrown in there. And when it comes to the microbiome, the microbiome is an ecosystem. So if you think of it like an environment, or if you think of like, oh, we have outer space, <laughs> you know, so we have like a whole environment, a whole ecosystem that lives inside of primarily the large intestine. That's where it's supposed to be. When things go wrong, it can migrate, you know, in other places. Um, but and technically, you know, most of the organs have their own ecosystems, right? So your lung has its own microbiome, your gut has its own microbiome, your, um, you know, they used to think that certain, certain um, organs were sterile. And now they're coming to find out that no, nothing's, nothing's sterile in the body. We're much more bacteria than we are human. Um, so that's what we're talking about when we talk about a, a microbiome, right? It's just a smaller ecosystem of bacteria, um, sometimes mostly like 
fungi, viruses, they're, they're all of these. Uh, one of the terms we're also going to define is microbiota, right? And so that's just these tiny, tiny microorganisms. Um, they may be bacterial, they may be viral, they may be um, like a parasite, you know, it could be something else. But they're these living organisms, and they all live in this little ecosystem within certain organs, you know, certain areas of our body. And so whenever there's disturbances to those ecosystems, you can affect or you can expect, um, you know, a ripple effect, right? So it's going to cause all kinds of problems because the whole system is interconnected. What were the other ones? I think gut barrier was one. Yeah, um, yeah. So gut barrier is really important. That's really just talking about like the lining, like the physical lining of an organ. So if you're thinking about like the stomach lining, um, the stomach barrier, it's really, if you were to look at what the stomach looks like, which is like a little pouch, you know, a little bag, it would be that outer lining, um, that's, that's keeping everything together. And so then when you look at the intestines, your intestines are basically like, it's like a hose, you know? So you have this tubing that's running, it's very flexible and it's all crammed up in your, in your lower abdomen. Um, and so what we're talking about the gut barrier, we're really talking about the actual lining. So the musculature, it's your, it's called your epithelial lining, but that's complex. So it's just your cells that are all stitched together that, that form this lining, this little tube. But then on top of that, you have a layer of mucus, um, your, your mucosal barrier. And so that's also what's there to protect um, that epithelial lining or that's, you know, really the intestinal lining. So you have multiple barriers that are there um, to really protect itself. But when those barriers get degraded, that's what leads to inflammation. It can cause a whole range of issues. So when you're talking about um, the importance of gut barriers, it's really because um, what happens in, especially once you get to your small intestine, that's where you start to absorb all your nutrients. So things that get absorbed through that little thin lining, almost like a barrier, you imagine like you're making, you're brewing coffee right through a coffee filter. Things are going through that coffee filter down into your cup, and then that's what you're drinking. So that's kind of how your intestines work too. You have um, these little finger-like projections and they're, they're pulling things in and filtering things out. And so that's when you're absorbing from your small intestine, it's going straight into your bloodstream. So you really want to make sure that you're only taking in um, nutrients really at that point, but toxins can get in and sometimes you can have holes, you know, in that intestinal lining. So if you were to use a coffee filter that had the holes were too big or it had like a huge hole or a tear in it, then you would be letting all kinds of things through that you wouldn't necessarily want to be there. So that's the importance of having that, having a healthy mucosal or healthy gut barrier. Yeah. Um, and, and I do want to get into that as well, because I feel another term that gets thrown around a lot is leaky gut, mm -hmm. which is essentially what you're talking about is exactly things get through that barrier that we're not intended to get through. And then that ends up getting into the bloodstream and floating around the bloodstream. Um, mm -hmm. and also will you chat a little bit about the gut brain axis and what that means and why that's so important to add to this conversation? 
Yeah, for sure. So the gut is really considered kind of like the master control center of the body. Um, certainly, you know, you're making decisions based off of things that are happening in your brain, but your gut can communicate directly with your brain. So there are times and it's a, a bi-directional, you know, it's a two-way street. So in the same way that, you know, they'll say like, oh, well, if you frown, it may, it'll, you'll be sad. You know, it's like, well, that's your body telling your brain to be sad, but it goes the other way. Um, the same thing happens with your brain in your gut. So if you have inflammation going on in your brain, then that can also lead to more inflammation in your gut. And it goes the other way too. If you have lots of inflammation in your gut, you're going to have more inflammation in your, in your brain. And so, um, there's a vagus nerve that directly connects the gut to the brain. So that's why even when you talk to people and they're like, no, no, I don't, I don't need gut stuff. My digestion is fine. You're like, no, trust me though. We want to start with your gut. We want to make sure you're good because you can have depression, anxiety, mood swings, food cravings, and it could all be because of your gut um, because your gut bacteria can produce neurotransmitters. Um, actually about, you know, it's like roughly 70 to 80% of serotonin is produced in your gut. So your gut is, I mean, a powerhouse of, um, these neurotransmitters that are going to affect your brain, they can override your brain and give you food cravings, right? When you like finish a meal and you're like, I'm good, I'm satisfied. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, you know, what I really want is a brownie. I just feel like it would hurt the brownies feelings if I don't eat some of it. That like over overwhelming sense to eat it, you know, is because there are, it's typically not always, but it's typically because you got an overgrowth of yeast in your gut and the yeast feeds on the sugar and it's creating neurotransmitters. that's telling your brain, you really need more sugar. We're not, we're not done. I know you think you're done, but I could really use a hit of sugar right now. And so you're like, all right, sure. And so you eat it. So definitely the gut brain connection is really important. Um, and stress is one of the biggest causes of leaky gut and also just chronic disease in general. Stress is definitely ground zero and stress gets worsened by our perception of stress, right? Like there's the actual stress. Um, but nowadays we're not able to, um, do the same thing we used to do. Like if a bear is chasing you, you're going to run away from it. You're going to panic. You're going to feel that response. And then you either get away from it or you die. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one right. or the other. And so then you get it out of your system. But in our day and age, we're not being chased by bears or lions. Um, we have more mental stress and it, it's harder for us to feel like we you know, ran that, it ran its course, right? And so it's harder for us to complete those stress cycles. And so we end up in this constant loop and that stress, mental, emotional, physical, whatever it might be, is just causing more and more problems internally until it finally gets our attention. We're like, oh my gosh, I'm debilitated by all of these symptoms suddenly. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I so agree with you as far as getting the gut right first. And I even had to write down what you said about it being the master control center. I wanted to go back to that briefly, at least to, to just con, you know, confirm that I, we're so on the same page about that because most people think it's like the brain. The brain is the master. It's, you know, that's what's controlling everything, but it really, it really is the gut. Mm -hmm. and so getting yeah. that balanced and, and taking care of that, nourishing that and ensuring that it's healthy. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, as, as anybody who listens to this podcast knows, getting your diet right is going to be a huge contributing factor to the health of your gut. Um, and then, of course, now we've seen all the other things that 
an unhealthy gut is going to contribute to. What are some of the basic functionalities of the gut? I think most people think it's digestion and pooping, and, mm-hmm. you know, but there's so much more to it. Will you, will you yeah. talk a little bit about the, the different functionalities of it and what, um, what it's doing for us? Yeah, for sure. So of course, digestion is a huge role, but then also absorption because you can be eating all of the best foods, but if you're not absorbing them, then you're not getting the benefits um, of that great diet that you've that you've cultivated. Um, so absorption is also key. And then with pooping, I mean, the main purpose of pooping is detoxification. So you're, you know, you're eating constantly. Um, it's kind of creating this little hurricane in your gut microbiome every day. And so some bacteria are going to die off naturally, and they're going to release some toxins into the system. And it's just all part of the process. If you have this healthy gut barrier, it's no problem. And so the the purpose purpose of uh, that is to kind of flush out all these toxins. Okay. You know, we, we separated them. We got the nutrients, we got rid of the toxins and now we got the good stuff and we're good. And so it's kind of the sorting process, right. Of of all the things that are coming through. Um, But then on top of that, about 70% of your gut is your immune system. So your immune cells live in your gut. So that's, again, why the gut is considered that master control center is because it's dictating so many things. It's not just your digestion. It's just not just what you eat and what you poop out. Um, So your immune system is dependent on your gut health. Um, Then also, we just talked about the gut brain axis. So your mood, your, um, your stress perception, all of these things. So the gut is really, really central to so many different things that if if you're throwing it off, then you're throwing off a lot of other systems because they're all interconnected. Um, your hormones also can be, are being re- recycled through your gut microbiome, um, especially like estrogen recycling that's done by certain bacteria in your gut. So um, if you're, if you've got hormone imbalances, that can also be a side effect of having an imbalanced gut. So much. Um, and speaking of all that, there's a distinct difference between what's common and what's normal. Mm-hmm. And exactly. a lot of people have poor digestion, mm-hmm. uh, you know, irregular bowel movements, bloating, then they would define it as normal because. Yeah. That's just all they've ever known. Exactly. But normal isn't necessarily, com- so, you know, common isn't necessarily normal. So will you explain what right. a normal, healthy, functioning process would look like versus some of the cl- complaints of cramping, bloating, gas, all that stuff, just kind of to clarify yeah. what's normal and what's common? Yeah, yeah. And so it's optimal, you know, to be able to eat, a meal, not immediately bloat. Um, you should have, I mean, gas is a normal effect side effect of fermentation, right? So as your gut bacteria are fermenting different fibers, uh, gas production is natural. However, other bacteria are going to utilize some of that gas and you're not going to just be so gassy, right? Like just an overproduction. It's really a balance. And then you would normally have a couple bowel movements a day and they would be soft, not too loose, but soft, easy to pass, you know, not causing bleeding or or anything like that. Um, And you wouldn't necessarily feel, you shouldn't feel like you have an upset stomach. You shouldn't feel like you have a brick sitting in your stomach. Um, You shouldn't necessarily feel hungry right away after eating. 
but you should also have an appetite, you know? And so it's this like nice little balance that that's kind of hard to hit for people. Um, but yeah, exactly. I totally agree where people say, oh no, it's, it's fine because you learn to tolerate it. You know, like I have, I've had upper back and neck pain my whole life. Oh, I just learned to tolerate it. So it's fine. But is that optimal? No, (laughs) you know, like you shouldn't have that. My, my traps are so tight because I am overcompensating for my lats not being strong enough, you know? So now you go and you balance out the weakness so that your body can stop overcompensating so that you can be more balanced. Yeah. Thank you for that. It's not, again, this people don't realize how much they are tolerating until mm-hmm. it gets to a point in which it is a, uh, you know, lab verifiable condition or disease, but there yeah. was all of these things happening between under the you know, surface. The first, yeah. Before, yeah. At the first onset until the diagnosis. And so I think it's helpful to help people. We need to help people with tools to identify it in that space and time. Uh, For sure. This isn't, no, it's, and the common statement I hear is, well, I just figured I was getting older. Yeah. So I figured I was just decaying, so, <laughs> just like falling apart. Yeah, it's so normal. Is part of that. I mean, bloating, discomfort, yeah. um, feeling fatigued after people yeah. eat, as soon as they eat something, wanting to go to sleep and all these, just the little things that people have tolerated. I think it's essential yeah. that we point out that these are not necessarily things to tolerate because if not addressed, or if you don't even go for optimization prior to a a diagnosis, um, Mm -hmm. you will end up at a diagnosis potentially. Exactly. And it's always better just to check and make sure, you know, because yes, it could be nothing. It could be fine. There are some things that do go decline with age, right? Um, Enzyme, digestive enzyme production being one of them. Of course, when you're getting to like your 30s and 40s, your enzyme production starts to decline. So it might be harder to digest your foods as well. So then it's like, okay, well, I'll just add a digestive enzyme to my large meals whenever it causes a problem. And then then you're good. Um, But yeah, like you're saying, if it's not just if you're tolerating all of these digestive symptoms, please know that you don't need to. You're suffering for no reason. You should have um, because they can be so debilitating. Right. Mm -hmm. Where it's like you can't live your life when your stomach hurts so badly that you're like, I need to be near a bathroom at all times. You know, you can't travel in that case. Like being on a plane is so annoying Mm -hmm. if you if you have digestive issues because you're like, oh, no, I have to be near the bathroom. I have to be in an aisle. I can't be sitting for that long. Uh, It's so stressful. And you have to plan everything around your GI tract rather than your own life, which sucks. And then in some cases, people will mask some symptoms so they don't even know they're there. Like drinking coffee, drinking too much coffee, for example, that can mask constipation. Because if you're if you don't realize that you're relying on the caffeine to stimulate um, your bowel movement and you were to take it out for a couple of weeks and just see what happened, then you might realize, oh, my gosh, I only go once every couple of days. That's not good. I never even knew because I was so reliant on on this caffeine. So there are, of course, things that are hidden. But yeah, it's like these things bubble up under the surface. And one of the things that we learned in uh, one of our leaky gut studies at the last the last job that I had was um, we looked at healthy college age students and they didn't have any diagnoses, but they did have leaky gut. And we measured over a 30 day period, you know, them taking a probiotic versus taking nothing. And what was interesting was that, uh, you know, of course the probiotic helped, 
the, the people who took the placebo got worse. And so we were like, wow. So it's even, it's starting even when you're 18, when you're like, oh, I'm at the, the prime of my life, you know, nothing's mm-hmm. going wrong. That's when all of these um, inflammatory things are building up under the surface and they may not be sticking out, you know, the tip of the iceberg. They may not be over the water yet. And so you don't know it, but we're like, oh, wow, that's how these people are coming up with these autoimmune diagnoses in their early 30s. And they seem like they pop out of nowhere, but they don't. They're just brewing under the surface and people tolerate the symptom and tolerate and ignore that and ignore that. And your body is trying to give you information this whole time. And so when we ignore that, we're like, nah, nah, I'll deal with it later. It's like, it has to go to extreme lengths to get our attention. And so it will. Yeah. Um, And speaking of that, uh, one thing that when it comes to gut health and people are like, no, I don't really think I have a problem. I think I'm good. I'm, I digest, I digest, I poop. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, but until you start talking about weight loss, mm-hmm. if you start talking about weight loss or belly fat or anything like that, then people are like, well, maybe I do need something for my gut. <laughs> you know, then yeah. they're suddenly interested, but there is some scientific correlation Will you talk about that a little bit? Yes, of course. Thank you for reminding me because that was another one of the functions of the microbiome or really just of the gut um, is controlling metabolism. So there are certain gut bacteria that can turn on your fat burning genes. Um, It's one of the reasons why intermittent fasting can be effective for some people is because there's certain bacteria that can only thrive when there's no food in the system um, because they actually feed on the little proteins that are in the mucosal barrier. And the idea is that you're regenerating your mucosal barrier constantly, and then that's feeding these little gut bugs, and they're turning on fat-burning genes. And so um, it's basically keeping everything running smoothly um, and efficiently so that you're, you're burning all this fat that you don't need when that all gets thrown off and those those guys never really get to feed because you're constantly eating all the time or you're, you're snacking all the time, um, then that can totally throw off your metabolism. And then also, of course, your hormones are getting thrown off. That plays a role in your metabolism as well. So then it becomes really difficult to gain, um, to lose weight because you just keep gaining it. Um, and then stress as well is telling your body, Hey, it's an emergency. We have to get away. You know, it's almost like there's a pandemic. We got to run. We got to hunker down. We're not going to be able to eat for five days. So we got to pack it all somewhere just in case that's what's happening. Yeah. And you've developed some products for Mm -hmm. that specifically. Will you talk a little bit more about that in detail? Yeah. So for stress, uh, one of the products that we came out with is the Quiet Serenity. So the Quiet Serenity um, uses this B-Longum strain um, that was developed by a company in Ireland. And they've actually done a lot of studies on showing how it can reduce stress, um, helping with sleep, helping with mood. And it's really because it's going in, not to get too super complicated, but it's going in and it's interfering with an inflammatory pathway. So it's basically telling your brain, hey, don't stress out. (laughs) It's going to be okay. You know, and so that's what's really important. Um, It's considered. So if you look at because not all probiotics are going to affect the brain directly in that way, some of them will be indirectly helping. um, But there are some probiotics that will go directly impact the brain. um, And those are considered psychobiotics. So this one is a psychobiotic. Um, It's really very cool. It really helps the body and the brain cope with the stress. So it's helping that side that says, 
okay, it's not that bad. <laughs> you know, it's yes. kind of that like silver lining that's like, okay, we're doing good. We're just tired. We just need a break. So it's helping you to be a little bit more Zen. Um, and then we added ashwagandha to that because ashwagandha is an adaptogenic herb. And so for those who aren't familiar with adaptogens, um, it's really any mostly plant-based. It could be mushroom, it could be herb, but it's anything that's helping the body cope with stress. So um, it's just teaching the body, hey, it's okay. Let's calm, let's calm down, you know, hopefully reducing our cortisol levels. Um, because again, it's so easy for us to get stuck in that endless loop where we're not closing out the stress cycle. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really helping the body cope with that, calm down. Um, it doesn't need to be an 18 out of 10 every time something happens so that at least if something's happening emotionally, it doesn't have to happen that way physically in the body where everything gets freaked out and thrown out of whack. Um, so that product is really cool because it's targeting that gut brain axis that we talked about earlier um, and really helping people just feel a little bit more Zen, which is then going to help them um, with their gut health and with many other things in their lives. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Uh, psychobiotic. I'm sure that that's probably the first time most of these listeners have ever heard that term. Um, they're still, uh, I feel like learning the difference between a prebiotic and a probiotic. Mm, yes. That's Can you a, talk about that, please? Yes. That's a great one. So the easiest way to remember it is that the pre feeds the pro. So the prebiotic is something that it's typically a fiber. It doesn't always have to be, um, but typically it's a fiber that as a human, we are not built to digest. So when we're eating our food, we're taking in all of the carbs, the protein, the fat, all the phytonutrients, um, but then we're not meant to break down fibers. That is supposed to go and feed the bacteria. So then that goes down into the large intestine and it gets fermented by all of this bacteria. And they've got their favorites, you know, like they'll, they, some might prefer a longer chain fiber and some might prefer a medium chain. So they're, you know, they have their little preferences on the foods quote, I put in quotes that they like, but the prebiotics are there to feed, um, it's because they're not technically eating it. So um, I'll say feed in quotes, but they're there to quote feed your probiotics, which are the organisms, the living organisms that are in your gut. And so you can have probiotic bacteria, you can have probiotic yeasts. So the probiotics are broad enough to where it can be microorganisms. Um, there aren't really like helpful parasites, you know, I mean, in some cases, like you do want to have a balance. It's not that one thing is ever all bad or all good. And so you don't typically want to eradicate everything. Um, you know, even if it is something you're like, well, that's probably bad. Let's completely eradicate it. Like H. pylori, for example, or C. diff, something where people are like, oh yeah, that's, that's really negative. We want to get rid of it. At a very low level, it's playing a beneficial role because mm -hmm. it's an ecosystem, right? So just like if you were to get rid of like mosquitoes, they're so annoying. If we were to get rid of mosquitoes, we would throw off an entire food chain. <laughs> it would have this ripple effect and it would have detrimental effects. You can't just kill off something because you've decided that it's bad and then expect to it to not have a negative effect on an entire ecosystem. Um, but yes. Um, yeah. So thank you for defining because I, a lot of the clients that I've worked with that I have gone to their homes and looked through their supplement graveyards, <laughs> their cabinets and their kitchens, um, they don't really know, you know, they're, they're so heavily 
dependent upon, and rightfully so. I mean, and this is where I know that you share the same passion as I do about that. This is why um, formulators are, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, you have formulators that are just formulating something based on what is going to be put on the label that's going to be cool enough to where the consumer is just going to buy it, but they don't really understand what it's doing for them or why it's doing it. And then you have people like you who are formulating as a consumer advocate where you're behind the scenes Mm -hmm. saying it doesn't, what's most important is that these things actually help people and produce results for them and produce health for them. Um, And then we're going to worry about what we put on the label, but first and foremost, let's get it right. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's, let's really dig into the science. Let's find um, some, you know, some new information that hasn't, that we've just learned that we know is going to make a huge difference for them. And then we'll figure it out from there. And so I, I really appreciate that and value that as a brand, mm-hmm. um, especially as a formulator. I think it's key. Um, and people just, uh, I, I believe that their supplements would be more beneficial to them if they actually understood what they were doing. Is there mm-hmm. any other sub? I mean, this Silver Fern has, honestly, this is so, I mean, we've never talked about this because it's, it's a brand that I, as I'm scrolling through the different product options, I get so pumped because yeah. <laughs> each, the one that really stuck, I tell people, if you're going to do a multivitamin, it has to be food-based. Like do mm-hmm. not get the synthetic vitamins, but there's none. People mm-hmm. can't find them. Y'all have one of those. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about why that matters? Why saying no synthetic vitamins and all, you know, food-based vitamins. Why, why does that matter? Yeah. So it's important to have vitamins in their natural forms. And so, which is tricky and it's overwhelming because it's hard to pronounce a lot of vitamins, right? And so they sound all scientific and even the ones that are natural sound fake, <laughs> you know, they sound synthetic because you're like, oh, all of these hyphenated words, you know? Um, but it's tricky because if it's food-based, then it's in its it's in a natural form that the body will recognize. Um, then what has happened is because companies want to create a product and maybe have higher profits, you know, higher profit margins. They're like, okay, well, we can create this in the lab. It'll look the same. It'll function, you know, maybe almost the same, and it'll be way cheaper and it'll do the same thing. And so for a long time, um, companies were doing that because we didn't really realize that there was any major difference. We thought, well, chemically, they look the same, therefore they'll they'll be the same. Um, but it doesn't actually work that way. So the body is quite intelligent and it is able to tell when there is something synthetic. And oftentimes if it sees something synthetic, not always, but a lot of times if it does, it's like, I don't know what to do with that. You know, I don't recognize it. I don't know how to process it. Um, and so especially, you know, with like, I know, especially with like um, synthetic fats, uh, the body will just be like, oh, I I don't, I don't know how to break that down. And so it just won't. And then it'll just, it'll just pass it on to the gut microbiome and say, I don't know, you do something with it. I think it's (laughs) trash. You know, I don't want it. Uh And then if your gut bacteria have a chance to ferment these things that shouldn't really be coming to them, they're going to produce all these weird byproducts that are typically inflammatory. And you're just going to have all these odd side effects. Um, so that's why it's best to do, um, a food based and it's beneficial too, because even though I'm a dietitian and it's, it's, you know, we're taught like, Oh, diet first, you can get everything from your diet. 
life is so freaking hectic and stressful mm -hmm. and busy. Like, I don't know if it's practical for most people to get every nutrient from that they need on a daily basis from their diet. So I would argue that, yeah, we're making it more convenient for people. We're giving them more time, um, giving them a food-based vitamin. That way they're getting the essential nutrients they need, but in the right form. Yeah. In a form, I, I will typically say you know, it, it speaks the same language as your body. Exactly. So they're not, exactly. There's nothing getting lost in translation because they yes. immediately recognize each other and can immediately, you know, it's immediately applicable, I should yes. say. Um, another question that I hear often, and I'd love to hear your take on this is, so let's say somebody has just had gone through like high dose antibiotic treatment or has been on long-term antibiotic treatment, but also is exhibiting some leaky gut or that they just intuitively know, yeah, mm -hmm. what she just said earlier, like, that's me. Mm -hmm. um, is there a particular order in which you would recommend people to start supplementing to heal up the barrier first or to start working on restoring the integrity of the gut barrier before working on biodiversity and incorporating probiotics or what, what is your take on that? Yeah. It, you know, it always depends for me kind of on the person. It's really hard for me to do like a one size fits all sort of mm -hmm. approach, kind of like we talked about earlier, but in my experience, I have noticed, and you know, that's something I always ask people is, have you taken antibiotics in the last two to five years? Because unfortunately they've found that just one round, a single round of antibiotics can completely screw up your gut microbiome for up to two years which is insane. So wow. those people who are taking chronic antibiotics, I'm like, oh no, you know, I mean, there's just going to be so much inflammation. And so what can typically happen when you've got a lot of inflammation, and I mean, it's the same for people with like Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, because that's like intense intestinal inflammation. Um, when you throw in probiotics, especially effective probiotics, they can be hard to tolerate because you're just, I mean, it's like a war zone in there. Mm -hmm. And so I find that for the people with really, really intense intestinal inflammation, it is best to go and focus on those intestinal barriers first. So I would go in, first of all, trying to add immunoglobulins, you know, so we have a product called cleanse that's going in and it's kind of like having a shield, putting a shield up to all the inflammation that's going on because those immunoglobulins or antibodies are really going and just binding up toxins. And when you have a war zone in your gut microbiome, you got a lot of toxins flying around that are just making the person feel horrible. So you want to go in and just, hey, let's just put up a little barrier right now. Let's just bind up all these toxins, give it a pause for a second, and let's go try to repair this gut lining that we know has degraded. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's going to repair the actual intestinal lining itself, um, which you can do with ingredients like glutamine. Uh, we have that gut repair product with silver fern. Um, there are also other amino acids that you can take. Um, so like L-glutamine is an amino acid that's very commonly used um, for repairing the intestinal lining. There's also serine, proline, threonine, cysteine. So there's, there's many options uh, for repairing the gut lining. And then you want to repair that mucosal barrier on top. So I've just found that when people go that route, they kind of change up the order and they, they try to address those foundations first and then add in the probiotics and the prebiotics, then they're able to better tolerate those probiotics because 
it's just insanity going yeah. on when there's so much inflammation to be like, hey, we're going to throw in some probiotics. Some people can tolerate it and it's great. And they're like, oh, this is what I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to, it's typically going to get a little bit worse before it gets better because it's changing an entire ecosystem. It's changing an environment. So for people that already have these like kind of somewhat debilitating symptoms, you hate to be like, hey, we're going to make it worse a little bit, just for a little <laughs> bit, you know? And mm-hmm. so I just feel like from a, compassionate angle. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that to you. But some people are like, yeah, let's just do it. Let's push through. And like, I'm okay. I'm, you know, I'd prefer to just suffer for a couple of days and have it get better sooner. So it just, it kind of depends on the person. Um, But yeah, that is a trend I've noticed that if it's super inflamed, try to repair the gut lining first and then go and kind of recondition um, or change up that gut microbiome. Awesome. I'm sure that's so helpful for a lot of people. And speaking of a lot of people, can we talk gluten and how gluten gets broken down in the gut? And so Mm -hmm. many people that I know struggle with that. I think everybody has at least a family member or knows of someone who is unable to break down gluten. Uh, First and foremost, will you talk about what the difference between like a sensitivity and like Mm -hmm. celiac and then also Mm -hmm. what you've developed in order to help those people? Yeah. Yeah. So when we look at, we'll start with celiac disease, right? So celiac disease is an autoimmune response to gluten. What's happening is, and it's unfortunate, um, I would say here in America, because in Europe, they're not treating their wheat with glyphosate and Roundup like we do here. And we'll get into that later. But basically what's happening is that when you have a leaky gut and you're consuming a lot of different inflammatory foods, then what can happen is some of these foods can get into your bloodstream, right? Like we talked about, you have a tear in this coffee filter. It's just letting things right in. Well, eventually when those things keep happening, your immune cells that are hanging out in your blood, they're like, who are you? You know, you're this foreign object. You don't belong here. So they learn that you're a problem. They're like, no, no, you're an issue. So then every time you eat those foods again, it's going to get into your bloodstream. Your body's going, ah, it's that thing again. It's that problem. It's that gluten. We don't like it. Um, Over time, the immune system will begin to attack its own cells. So that's creating an issue, right? And then you have this full-blown inflammation with celiac disease, what ends up happening is the actual intestinal lining gets so damaged and so inflamed. Um, Typically, if you were to like zoom, zoom way in on the intestinal lining, it kind of looks like if you were to stick your fingers straight up, you have these little microvilli and that's what's dangling, you know, inside, (laughs) inside the small intestine. And that's how having all that surface area is how you absorb all your nutrients. And so what'll then happen is those get um, blunted. So it's almost like if you were to then bend your fingers down, you have way less surface area. You don't get to absorb anything really anymore, not very efficiently. And so then you end up having all of these vitamin and other nutrient deficiencies because you literally can't absorb because your gut is so inflamed. And so again, that's why gut health is so important because you need to be able to absorb all of these nutrients that you're taking in. On the other hand, you can have a gluten sensitivity where it's not mounting the same immune response, but you are having symptoms. And so it could be, it just really upsets your stomach. You know, you have really bad abdominal cramping. Maybe it gives you constipation. Maybe it just, um, maybe it makes your skin break out. Maybe it gives you mood issues. It's, it's kind of this like 
weird gray area where it's like, well, I'm not truly allergic because I'm not having, you know, an anaphylactic reaction and it's not full blown celiac disease. I don't have these markers for it, but I certainly don't feel great when I eat it, you know, and that's because gluten is really hard to break down. Um, We don't really have the digestive enzymes necessary to break down a lot of it. However, like I mentioned before, with the use of Roundup, they have done studies on um, gluten sensitivity symptoms versus glyphosate toxicity symptoms, and they very closely overlap. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, what has happened in the US is that we've treated all of our crops with Roundup, which is, you know, a pesticide herbicide. Uh, We're trying to get them to grow as big as they can so we can like get the most profits for our bang for our buck, um, which is great, but it, it is causing issues. And so what will then happen is it's actually what they're finding is it's the glyphosate that's triggering this reaction, triggering this inflammation. And it's like when someone, you know, taps you on a shoulder and walks the other way, it's, it's fooling your immune system. Okay. So it's saying, look, it was the gluten that did that. And suddenly your body is going, ah, gluten's bad. Okay, we're going to react to gluten all the time. When in reality, it was the glyphosate that that triggered the whole thing. But then you're stuck with this issue of, well, my immune system is sort of reacting to the gluten and I need help digesting it. So what we found is that there are certain enzymes you can take. Most of us don't really produce them, but you can take them as a supplement and it'll help break down gluten. So gluten's kind of this longer chain um, protein. And so there's this one particular um, enzyme that can go and clip it in certain spots. So it's like, whenever it sees this certain pattern, it'll cut it right there. And so what it's doing is it's taking this long strand of inflammatory gluten and it's just chopping it into tinier pieces. And when it does that, it becomes less inflammatory. It's easier for the body to address it easier to just handle overall. So it's less likely to cause, um, you know, all the bloating and all of the stomach cramping and all of the other issues that it would typically cause when it's in its long chain form. So cool. So cool. Um, is there any particular uh, product, supplement, uh, formulation that has just been really exciting to you from your perspective and looking at the industry at large and what's been taught, what's been supposedly you know, put on the shelf as a solution, but not so much, but that you've actually been able to, in your position, develop something that you're really excited about, even if it's not available yet? Like, is there anything that you would share with us? Ooh, that's a good question. Honestly, there's so many things. Because in my previous position, I I had the opportunity to formulate for so many different clients. And so I it was fun being able to switch gears from specifically gut health to, okay, hormone balance to glucose control to, you know, and just kind of jump all over the place and, and, and learn all these different things. So I'm trying to think what would be a good one that's, that's like coming out. Um, I, I do feel like in the probiotic space, you know, trying to come up with the, the issue has been um, that you can't really formulate with anaerobic bacteria, anaerobic meaning that they um, can't survive in oxygen. You know, they primarily exist on nitrogen. And so they can exist in your gut where there's not a whole lot of oxygen going on. But in order to manufacture them and create them and then ingest them, 
eh, they're probably going to die. I do think that there's technology coming out where we will be able to see some really cool probiotics um, coming, but they're, they're just not really here yet. I think there are a couple companies that are doing that. Um, or are trying to, I haven't yet vetted, vetted their um, whole <laughs> manufacturing process. Cause you would need like an entire nitrogen run lab in order to cool. do it technically. So some things like that, I think are pretty cool. Um, but then also on the diagnostic side, something I think is really important is um, the research that's being done on microbiome testing, you know, like Mm -hmm. microbiome types, because they're, they're realizing your, your gut microbiome is as unique to you as your fingerprint, you know, so like two twins aren't going to have the same fingerprints. They're not going to have the same gut microbiome, uh, which is so fascinating. And so a lot of the research that we're looking at is creating these kind of enterotypes or like microbial signatures almost, um, with certain diseases, which I think is really cool because then you can say, you can do a test and maybe you don't have this full-blown diagnosis yet, but you might be able to see a trend of something that's happening under the surface. That's like, Hey, if you don't do anything, your microbiome is trending towards type two diabetes. Mm -hmm. Like you might want to address it or, Hey, I don't know if you know this, but your microbiome is looking shockingly similar to you know, prostate cancer or whatever it is. And you might want to go get that checked out just, just to be sure. Um, so that's something that that's coming that I think will be really, really cool and helpful for people because preventative medicine isn't that big here in the U S and it needs to be, and you know, it's primarily because it's not really covered by insurance for the most part. Everything's like, Oh, just treat it when you have it. Once it's a full blown autoimmune disease and it's super expensive and debilitating. Um, so that, that's something that's coming that I think will be really cool. That is exciting that it's just, it's so, it's so amazing. And the, I'm constantly in awe of the intelligence of the body and how it's dismissed so often as if, like it's just a, a machine. Yeah. It's like, there's, no, it, it's intelligent. It's so, it's so, so intelligent. And that even really just deserves its own conversation because mm-hmm. people don't realize that all of that's going on there that we really do know. And because we've over time just outsourced to where we'll let something that we saw as we passed through our friend's, you know, social media profile, mm-hmm. we're, out, we're outsourcing our health. Yeah, to an eye-catching product, mm-hmm. um, but our bodies really know better, and yeah. um, we don't give it nearly enough credit. Um, is there anything else that you feel is missing from the gut health space that people aren't talking about that you are coming up against on a regular basis and thinking to yourself, "Man, I wish people would talk about this more." Yeah. Oh, many, many things. <laughs> I'm like, where do I begin? Um, I mean, on the one hand, I feel like people should talk more about the differences in probiotics just because people just throw probiotic on the label and then they're like, yeah, we've got a probiotic, so we're helping. And there are really so many probiotics that aren't doing a whole lot for people. You know, there's so many people taking their probiotics that don't feel any or notice any difference. And you're like, well, that's not the goal. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I mean, ideally you want to feel a difference. Um, I mean, there's just so much because it's difficult in a space where it's 
kind of like you mentioned at the beginning where the industry might be a little bit marketing like led by marketing rather than science and data. And then they'll try to follow with that. Um, so it's just like combating a lot of the um, marketing messages that aren't really founded in science. I mean, you know, everyone thinks, well, more is better. More is always better. And so, you know, you have people that are like, oh, well, I only recommend a probiotic if it's got at least 200 billion CFUs. And you're like, that's it. That's the only criteria. What it like, does it need to do anything? Um, Cause that's not necessarily beneficial. You know, there's no research saying that having this higher concentration is always going to be better. And in fact, the opposite can be true. The um, some of the enterotypes that they're finding are those microbial signatures I mentioned before um, having really, really high lactobacillus and, you know, decreases in other specific bacteria those are types, those are enterotypes of other conditions. You know, autism is one of them. Um, there are some mood disturbances, but it's like, it's, it's not always better to just take a whole lot more balance is almost always the key with the human body. You know, homeostasis is the goal. Um, so, you know, I just, I just think there's so many ideas out there. Um, even like rotating your probiotics. What, why would you rotate your probiotics? And they're like, oh, well, cause they stopped working what? No, it's just, you can't, you're not shocking your body. I mean, it's, it's not doing anything if you have to rotate it. So there's just so many marketing messages out there. And it's just so unfortunate because people are trying, you know, they're trying to learn, they're trying to take back their health and there's all of these conflicting messages. And so it's just disappointing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think this will help so many people. At least I feel like there's a good foundational understanding now across the board as far as what the goal is, what they're trying to do, why it matters. And I, as I said at the beginning, I really do believe that the more we learn about the microbiome and our gut health, we're going to be able to tie almost everything back to that, or there's going to be a correlation in some way in which the root cause could have mm -hmm. been mitigated, you know, at that, at that level. And it's sure. really exciting. Um, I'm going to put in the show notes, obviously, links to Silver Fern mm -hmm. um, so that if people wanted to check out the products, um, if they have any questions, I'm sure that they can probably contact you all through through your website. Mm -hmm. um, is there any particular product that if, you know, again, we, we don't think that there's a one size fits all solution for all people, but if there's mm -hmm. one that you feel like would be a good starting point for people listening, which one would that be? Yeah, that's a good question. And Phil and I were just talking about this earlier because we feel like gut motility. And so when we talk about motility, we're talking about the movement of food through the GI tract, right? Like we want everything to be flowing in the right direction at a good pace, like having a good strong current in a river. Mm -hmm. Um, I find like that's a good starting point for people is trying to pinpoint how is your gut motility? Are you super backed up? Because um, if you have constipation and you're super backed up, things are not moving at the speed that they should be. Um, and your stools might be a little too hard, too dry, you know, like it's a little too difficult to pass. Then 
it's going to be hard to change this system if things are not working, if you're not mm -hmm. able to clear things out. So it's like, if you've got a plug, we're not going to, we're not going to try and change things because it might make things worse, you know, right. or you may not notice anything. Um, and then the same thing goes, if you've got just chronic diarrhea and it's like, everything just keeps rushing through, um, or I have to take laxatives, you know? So I think that starting with your gut motility, how is it doing? Do I have um, diarrhea? Do I have constipation? Do I have both? Cause you can't have both. Um, or do I have neither is a good starting point. Um, and one of my personal favorites products is the upper GI relief. So that's this herbal digestive aid. Um, it contains artichoke leaf extract, ginger extract, um, and licorice root flavonoids. And it's, it was primarily designed for stomach health. Um, it can really help with acid reflux. Um, it's really good at crowding out H. pylori. The licorice root basically makes the stomach lining too slippery for bacteria like H. pylori <laughs> to attach to. So it's like, oh no. And then it can't cause as many problems. Um, but what we also find that it's able to do is help really turn on that gut motility, kind of like turning back on the current um, in an area that's been really stagnant. And when you have that stagnancy, just like you would imagine, like you don't ever want stagnant water out in the summer because you're going to have mosquitoes breed in it, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so in the same way, you don't want your um, digestive tract to ever be stagnant. You want it to just be like constantly clearing things out. Um, so that's a really good starting point and that can really help move things through. So especially if someone's got constipation, that's a good place to start um, just to make sure everything's moving before we start changing. Um, and then I would say the other one in addition to that is the cleanse. So that, that IgG um, immunoglobulin product. Now it's not going to be most recommended for people with constipation only because it's going in and it's just binding up toxins and trying to clear them out. Right. So if you're already not clearing things out and you just put that in there, you're just adding more bulk to the stool more fecal bulk, and then it's just making it harder. So you would have to, it's not that you can't take it, um, if you are constipated, but you just have to like, really make sure you're aware of hydration. Like, okay, I'm going to borderline overhydrate <laughs> because, <laughs> because I need to clear this stuff out of my system. Um, but for those who are not, you know, super constipated, cleanse is a great way to start because it's just going to give your body that break. It's like, let's just take a pause from all the freaking inflammation that's going on. Let's just bind up some of these toxins real quick. Let's give everything a second to gather ourselves and be like, all right, what are we going to do? You know? <laughs> so those, I would say that's a good, a good starting point kind of depending on where you are. Um, and then kind of going from there. Cause then from there you can address the gut lining. Um, or if you're like, Oh no, I don't have that much inflammation. I'm ready to jump right into the probiotic. Cool. Um, and then you can add in the prebiotic. So it's like, everything's a layer upon a layer, um, from there. Awesome. Thank you again so much for your time. It was so fun. Oh, you're so you. welcome. I, yes. I, I learned so many things. So thank you for that for myself. I feel like sometimes I just turn on the microphone to, to <laughs> listen in on what Time I'm to learn. To, yeah, what I'm getting to like to learn. So thank yeah. you for that. Thank you for sharing. Thank of you for course. how you formulate. Thank you that it, it matters to you and that in an industry where there is a lot of pressure um, mm -hmm. to formulate for profit, um, that you still stand for people. I just can't say thank you enough for that because I know what that feels like. It's not an easy place to be, but man, do we need you. So thank you. Thank you for that.
Um, and anyone who's listening to this episode, if you know somebody who has any of the things going on that we talked about or um, seems to be talking about gut health or mood or, I mean, gosh, we covered so many things. Please share this episode with them. Um, I think that the more tools that we can offer each other and help each other out, um, you know, the better we will be for each other. And, that, and so if, um, if any of this resonates, please do share. It helps us all so much. So thank you, everyone. And I will be back next week. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Whole, Healthy, and Free. I will be back soon with another edition of the podcast. I invite you to check out my next episode once it becomes available on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. Until then, stay focused, insist on the truth, and do not quit. You are so much stronger than you realize.